How come you can say cool beans, but you can't say other types of beans? Magic beans. Hot beans. Hot beans. Smooth beans. Kidney beans. True beans. Butterscotch shenanigans. Hey everybody, welcome to Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the game programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the web programmer. I'm Sam and I make pictures. And before we get started, we have a warning. Anything can happen on this show. There may be lewd, crude, or rude behavior. Uh, so if you are sensitive, if you are under the age of 18, if you're under the age of 30, or perhaps even 60, uh, you should go ahead and stop listening now. And this is for octogenarians only. Yeah. So, yeah. so get out. Don't come back, you scamp. Also, Seth, you forgot to mention Tood. Oh yeah, there's gonna be some tude. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's short for pl- uh, pl- altitude? platitude. Altitude. Altitude. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this is a this is a new year. It's a new me. It's a new you. It's a new podcast. Yeah, we missed mm. last week's episode, which would have been our first episode of the year. But instead, yeah. this one is. Well, here's why though. Because uh, so, we wanted to start it off on on the right foot. Yeah, I know? mean, our New Might Year's be late. Our New Year's resolution yeah. was not to miss any more podcasts and as we all know the first thing you're supposed to do when you make a new year's resolution is fail hard well no but here's but here's another way to think about it had we done that first one but missed this week then we would have already failed our new year's resolution but since we didn't do the first one we just hadn't started the resolution yet that that's true it was just a delay yeah we just delayed our resolution to keep our act together yeah. Like the way you think, Adam. So yeah, we man. we basically nailed it. Uh, but as you know, c- to kind of make up for last week's miss, uh, we're gonna go a little bit longer than normal today, probably up to thirty to forty seconds. Um, so oh, that's yeah. just that's our gift. That's our gift to you all. Settle in with some popcorn and a big bucket of water. Yeah, because you're gonna need to stay hydrated. Oh, is that not for bathing purposes? It's for no. Okay. No, of course <laughs> not. Uh, and so we also wanted to hit a sort of state of the butterscotch union at the beginning of this year and go over some of the interesting or perhaps extremely boring statistics about where our studio is. And it might be kind of cool then uh, next year if we do the same thing for our first podcast of the year to kind of look back and compare. So yeah, totally. So where are we? I'll throw out some stats. Stats us, I just Adam. scraped them up right before we started this thing. So Gross. This is our 34th podcast. So that means that last, so we started this podcast last year, basically nine months ago-ish. And over those nine months, we casted 33 pods. Um, across those, we had 11,000 listens, which is pretty good, actually. Um, pretty for, good, yeah. For a little, our little comedy, comedy dev cast pod, whatever. It's thing. kind of a niche market. A little but, bit of a niche know, market. What are you going to do? Uh, and what else? So Beastcatch ID, which we also started basically a year ago now, um, mm-hmm. or a little, a few months over a year ago, but really became active a year ago, has 47,000 registered users, which is awesome. Um, and amongst them, uh, we have generated 4,500 pairs of friends. Oh, so you know, it's pretty, it's pretty cute. It's cute. That's why we do it. That's why yeah. we do it. You guys. It's a. It's a significantly smaller number than the number of registered users. I don't know what that's all about, uh, but I guess people don't want friends. I don't, I don't know. know. We haven't given them enough reasons. No, we gotta we gotta make some multiplayer games. I no. guess. 
And across all of our games, we have four and a half million downloads, which is, that's quite cool. So that, that's it's pretty good. That's pretty fun. Um, what else? Our forums which are, are only for our most active users. Um, so we're going to have 47,000 B-Sketch IDs. Of those, um, almost 1,000 of them have actually logged into the forums um, to hang out there and do stuff. Collectively, uh, putting together 7,000 posts. It's like a 2% conversion yeah weirdly every so? single damn conversion everywhere that we measure is on the order of a few percent i don't know what the deal is with that it's like one percent of people who download our games actually uh actually end Log up in. logging in and doing stuff there um and then one percent of those ish actually log in the forums it seems like youtubers work the same way we've, since we've been getting a lot of requests from youtubers to to play Crashlands, um, and we're looking at their stats, it's the same deal. They've got like, you know, a 1% rate ratio of subscribers to numbers of views on any particular video. So I don't know. So if you're listening to this podcast, you're actually a number. member of, you're a member of the Butterscotch 1%. Yeah, it's man. more like 1% of 1% of 1%. Yeah. You are in the, the elite. Echelon. So you better, you know, build those walls high around this castle you have because yeah. the pitchforks, they're coming. The mob's coming. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, actually, yeah, it's true. The podcast is something like, what, 0.1% or 0.01%? It's a very it's, elite fact. It's a very elite <laughs> of listeners. And also, uh, uh, as far as statistics go, we have, just in kind of thinking of the success of our studio so far, we have currently about two months worth of money in the bank. Ooh. And, and that is including all three of us being paid somewhere below what would be considered the poverty line. Which, uh, you know, it'd be a shame if one of us happened to have, uh, you know, an uh, extremely expensive medical condition or something. Yeah, yeah which fortunately, yeah. that is not the case. Yeah, not Fortunately, at all. everyone is fine. Yeah. It's a good thing that we have very supportive spouses who are... That is all. That is ...who are taking true. care of us financially <laughs> while yeah. we do this. And of course, this isn't to say, oh, man, way, like, it's so hard to make games. I mean, it is, but uh, I, I just think it's a... It'll be an interesting thing to look back on a year from now, either in a sad way or in, in a good way. I yeah. don't know, because maybe we'll have even less money next year. <laughs> uh, who knows? And at this time, we are one week away from launch for our first PC game. Crashlands! Which is Crashlands. No, it's Crashlands! And for those of you who are, since, since our listeners of this podcast are the most elite of the elite... Then we are going to be announcing the actual launch times right now on this podcast. Yeah, the official launch date is January 21st, but because of all kinds of shenanigans that have to do with the stores and when they turn over their like, top new games pages and blah, 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 uh, the specific times are actually a little different. Yeah, so we have to do some weird jukey dances, but we're going to be launching on Google Play and iTunes. We're going to be hitting the publish button. At 11 p.m. Central Time, January 20th. So it may take up to two, possibly even three hours after we hit that button for the games to go live and be downloadable. Although in practice, it seemed like it's only been half an hour like, or so. Yeah, it's usually 20 minutes yeah. or so. Yeah, it kind of it kind of depends. I think it depends on peak times and stuff. At that time of night, it's probably going to be fine. Um, so you can sort of anticipate that by midnight Central Time, uh, January 20th slash morning of January 21st, you'll be able to play on mobile. On Steam, we will be launching at 7 o'clock a.m. Basically, January the moment 20- we get up, we're going to hit that publish button. Yeah, January 21st. 
Uh, so that's for PC and Mac. So basically, if you sleep like a normal person and you live in the U.S., then you can basically expect that on the morning of the 21st, it'll all be ready for you. Yeah, but if you're really anticipating Crashlands and just want to play it the moment it is possible, then... Get yourself some Red Bulls and go to town. Yeah, be ready on your mobile device for that evening. And if you if you download it immediately as it becomes available on mobile, by the time you go to work the next morning, you'll be very tired. But also, you will be maybe, what, 5%, 10, 10% of the way through the game? Something oh, you're like saying that? if they just download the game and start playing it and don't sleep at all until yeah. the and moment. Then you, yeah, you'll be about 10% of the way through. Yeah, then you can go over to the water cooler at work and laugh in people's faces and throw water at them. I don't know what happens at the water cooler, honestly. But uh, Actually, I, I come to think of it, I don't think I've ever been in an environment with a water cooler, except for like in a waiting room. Mm-hmm. I've been in an aquarium before, though. That's that's sort of like a really big water cooler. Yeah, there were lots of people talking about lots of different things there. But We just wanted to first talk about where we are now as of the start of the year. Yeah. And now Seth's going to go into what our, our plans and hopes and dreams are. Yes. For this what, year. What's going to be happening in 2016? 2016! Year of the... Dragon! Dra- oh, is, is it the year of the dragon? No, it's monkey. Oh. It's the year of the month. <laughs> that is significantly it's a lot, it's less a lot, awesome. It's a lot less awesome. Um, yeah, so so the first thing that we're going to be doing, and we're going to hopefully get this done either right before or sort of around the Crashlands launch, is we're getting our old games updated in a very light sense. So the first thing is they will not require you to pay for a butter up in order to get access to the Scotch ID perks. So all the cross-game perks, the achievements, the uh, friend statistics and leaderboards and stuff like that, um, that's all going to be just free in every game. The butter-ups will still be required to get the various in-game features like all the unlocks in Flop Rocket, um, the a- access to the new ships in Red Rage, all that stuff. Yeah, so you still have to buy the game if you want to play all if of you want to get the full, the full shebang. Yeah, but you'll be able to access, so I guess it's probably the best example. There are a few in, in Roid Rage, which you have to butter up in to get access to the ships. Mm-hmm. If you do unlock up one of the other ships using a perk, then you'll be able to access it just by logging in without having to butter up to get it. Exactly. So I guess in theory, if you can get to Space and Flop Rocket without buttering up, which would be impressive. I think it might actually be impossible. It's possible because you can still get the fuel, but... Oh, and the converter. Yeah, yeah, you you won't get the armor or anything like that, so it'll be really tough to make it. Um, But if you can do that, then and if you go over to Roid Rage, you will be able to fly the flop rocket in Roid Rage. So, you know, there is that. Uh, We're also updating Roid Rage uh, so that the interns that pilot the ships actually will get some kind of extra capabilities. So as an example, Steve, the intern Steve, will repel asteroids slightly. Yeah. And we're also adding Flux as an intern. And uh and that's from a from Crashlands perk. So if you get a perk in Crashlands, you're able to use Flux in Roid Rage. And you'll also be able to use the escape pod. So we're getting all kinds of of perks added to those games from Crashlands. Uh so we're gonna hopefully get all that stuff done, you know, over the next couple of weeks and, and it'll be published and playable yeah we hope to get it out before crashlands launches so that people can get in there and start unlocking perks and stuff before the game comes out without having to butter up since that was kind of the big goal for the fix but the likelihood of us really pulling that off for all four games is not 
He's low with high. all the other things. Yeah, there's you, too many other things imagine. to do. Things are busy around launch time. So. Yeah. It is. I mean, it's 10 days until crash. No, it's was it less than that? What is today? Tuesday? Today's Tuesday. At the time people will be listening. It'll be Wednesday. It'll be, just eight be eight days, days from launch. Well, technically, ah! technically like a week and 12 hours because we're launching it late at night. So yeah, but I do say this is this has been the most relaxed launch we've had, I think as far as uh, well it was well planned. Yeah, that's basically what it comes down to. Because before yeah, we gave ourselves before Adam time. came on, Adam you know Adam demanded a certain level of uh, you know intelligence as far as our <laughs> approach to launch that Seth and I had just been lacking. So we would just we would kind of just throw it against the wall as soon as it was done. Um, which always meant that there was a lot of problems <laughs> around launch. Although, so, well, you guys were also nearly out of money each time you yes. launched a game. Yeah, when we launched Quadrupus, I think we were like two weeks away from zero we dollars. This seems to be a seems to be a trend. Yeah, so so like right now, I mean, we got two months, you know, so we're like, we can do whatever we want. We can have a month long beta test if we want. Breathing easy with my food stamps over here. <laughs> it also takes two months for us to get paid from any of the stores. That's so true. We are actually right up against that that disaster. It's there. it's a very surgical operation that we're yeah. running here. It's very precise. Um, so once Crashlands comes out, then we are going to. Well, it depends. If Crashlands totally bombs and doesn't really, you know, put us into a different financial position, then fuck it, we got to move to Colombia. That's my. We're going to Colombia. We're going. We're moving to somewhere yeah. where it's cheaper to live. Uh, probably getting into the drug trade. It's yep. going to be. We hear that it's uh, a little bit less competitive than games. So mm-hmm. yeah, probably. And the and the customers treat you a little bit a little bit better sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> we, that's actually probably true. Oh my god. Uh, we could sell our organs also, but Sam's organs are kind of shitty right now, so I don't yeah, think... Yeah, mine, you know, I'm not going to be viable for any of that, no. so you guys are going to have to do double duty, I guess. Although, actually, right now, if we were to sell Sam's bone marrow, we could actually... It's it's two bone marrows, so maybe we'd get, like, a... Two, kind of two for one bulk yeah. discount, something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe we, could, we could bump that price up a bit, because it's, like, double... Wait, does it mean it's double bad or double good, if you have... I think It might double be double good. bad. Well, we just need to frame it, you know, That's to right. sell it. So it's all about It's framing. double good. Well, no, Sam had good bone marrow to begin with. There was nothing wrong with it. You know, Except it just wasn't Kim's job. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing wrong with it except, except that it was cancer. cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, whatever. No, it's a little, just a little thick. It's, it's like a, a flu, you know. So, uh, yeah, so all this kind of depends on what's going to happen with Crashlands. If Crashlands does do well then we can turn around and support for a while, which what we want to do is spend a couple months working up a, a big content patch that will have a whole bunch of fun sort of, I don't know if you'd call them vanity items, but uh, you know, just some goofy stuff that you can build and put in your base. Um, some extra combat options, weapons, gadgets, stuff like that. Maybe a new boss. Who knows? Yeah. And we're also going to work up uh, the Crashlands creator stuff so that the public the public can make their own crashlands campaigns yeah that's that's gonna be cool and i I think we're we're all really hoping that the game does well enough to to warrant that development and infrastructure investment because having i mean we made the game with the creator and letting players do the same thing is just it's gonna be so cool to see what people generate Mm -hmm. in this in this sandbox we've created yeah i mean to give you an idea of how 
potent the creator is, nothing that you see in the game that's story related or anything, none of that is hard coded. It's all done through the creator. Yeah. So absolutely every aspect of the story campaign, uh, you you could recreate the tra- the Crashlands campaign exactly yep. if you want. I don't know why you would do that because it's already. Well, you might want to do it in your own language or something, since since we're not, we will not be translating. It's just too big to be translated into other languages. That's uh, true. So while the game is available everywhere, it's really unfortunately right now it's only going to be fully understandable as a game for people who speak English well enough to also be able to handle the fucking weird words that we use in the game. That's true. And the dialects (laughs) of the races and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the items in the game, too, are their names are fusions of two different English words. English words put together. Like we have, there's an armor set that's all made out of smash blossom item, uh, like parts. Right. And it's called like the hat is called a smat. The vest, you got a smock. The vest is a smock. The gloves are <laughs> smittens. Smittens, <laughs> and the boots are are, the, are they I think, smoots? I think they're smoots. Smoots. It certainly yeah. sounds reasonable. <laughs> I mean, what what is that going to come out to in French or something? I yeah. Don't know. So if you, if you're not a, a really fluent English speaker, then Crashlands is going to be rough as a as a story game uh, for the story that we wrote so you know the 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 story and all the gameplay available at launch but we will uh because the creator will let you do all kinds of things we'll probably at the same time we launch that patch will likely include a pure sandbox mode um just built into the game so because otherwise a whole bunch of people will be making sandbox modes which is just dumb so we'll just include one in the in the thing so that way if you don't want to deal with story at all just want to go fight stuff and build things and you can do that and otherwise we're going to put as much language support in as we can so that people can make stories in their own languages and share those with other people. Yeah. The problem is we don't know what the fuck we're doing when it comes to language support. <laughs> so nope. That's, that's going to be probably the, one of the biggest tasks is going to be sort of that. And we'll probably have to change some of the fonts in the game to make it work. And there's going to be some kind of weirdness, probably some backwards compatibility issues, I suspect. So one of the downsides of growing up in America, yeah. where we only learned one language growing up and then have no clue how the rest of the world operates yep. so whoops uh, all right so then the last thing we want to hit on for plans for the new year is uh what we're gonna do after we're done with crashlands stuff post crashlands which sam do you want to do you want to sure. dive into this a little bit yeah so we we kind of came up with a with a strategy as far as what we want to do with with the studio and with the stories we're telling and you'll notice that all of the games that we've made we've sort of bound into the same universe at this point uh however that's been very lightly done because, in part, because games like Quadrupus and Floprocket don't have much of a story, uh, or Roid Rage. Um, and so, what we're going to do in the future is actually plan, which is novel, what? Uh, <laughs> essentially plan trilogies. So, the next two games you'll see out of out of Butterscotch will be uh, essentially mid-sized games. So, games that take us somewhere between three and six months to complete. Um, so, bigger so than Quadrupus. Yeah, at this point, because of our powers, we'll they'll be probably substantially larger than Quadrupus, but. Uh, but similar in terms of, of their, their exploration of a mechanic and a, and a, a particular aspect of the universe that we built. And the whole idea is that over the course of these, of these, the two smaller games, um, we really, you know, get people invested in the world, introduce them to a bunch of the high power characters involved in this major story arc. And then the third one is, is a larger scale game that's, you know, a six to 12 month project, um, that binds all of the stuff that you've done in the previous two games together, uh, and really while also you know being able to stand on its own and really uh, ties all of that into the universe in a really big, uh, cool, powerful way. Yeah, and the current set actually does that. It just wasn't 
It wasn't yeah. intentional, and yeah. it's a bit weaker than than what we'd like to do in the future. Yeah, but it is it is the case that when when we made the story for Crashlands, we wanted Crashlands to tie the other games together, so we just like pulled all those stories into it. Mm-hmm. So now we'll do it on purpose and next, with uh, the next three games. Yeah, I think, and as far as just like tech tech stretching and stuff, things that we want to be able to accomplish that we currently haven't done yet, um, branching into multiplayer stuff, and that doesn't necessarily mean real time, but just some sort of social connectivity or or anything like that where you can there's a there's a lot more meaning involved with the Scotch ID system and also with being able to play with your friends would be so good um and then that also includes stuff like uh, we've been kicking around the idea of, of a quadrupus 2 uh which does actually have you know co-op in it uh, so you can run around beat beat the crap out of so um so you know these these are things that are on the on the horizon for us and are whatever happens with crash and also kind of determines our ability to you know what's going to happen on, yeah. On well, I'll also add to so, that on the on the technology side, it would be really so. We, we've now we've kind of got the markets figured out for mobile. We're now just getting into the <clears throat> the PC market, and so we're getting a handle mm-hmm. on what that looks like and and you know how to how to deal with press when it comes to that and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so the next move is going to end up being consoles because you know we want to be able to through Bscotch ID since Bscotch ID ties everything together and because all of our games are now as we move forward are going to take place in the same universe even though there'll be quite different stories and different characters and stuff it's all supposed to be one coherent universe and so being able to spread that across as many devices that people can use as possible will be really cool and so so right now we don't have any games with meaningful controller support right and and it would be and so in terms of like having having quadrupus having a two-player local co-op quadrupus with with keyboard support or sorry with uh controller support on pc and on xbox for example would be really awesome so we want to be able to move on and, and do that kind of stuff as well something else something else that's really kind of interesting about this idea of making these trilogies or you know pulling games together to the same universe is if you look at the now five games that we have as our major titles um they all play very differently yeah. It, they feel different. You know, some of them are more arcadey. Some of them are more slow and story driven or um, it. And I think it doesn't really matter because when when I think of the sort of atmosphere that we want to create for our players, it doesn't really matter what the mechanics are of the game as long as it's fun and accessible. Um, because I think what people take home at the end of the day is they take home the feelings and the story and like the laughs that they had and the characters that they met and stuff like that. And all of the different game mechanics kind of fall by the wayside. So as far as the next three games go, mechanically, they might look completely different than anything that we've done before. Like we might, we might make an RTS. Yeah. Or... Hopefully they're quite different. Um, yeah. Cause it's fun to explore different things. And that's actually one of the things that's been, fun about this universe trying to put together is because we because the universe is now coherent and we have the cross game award system that encourages people to try these other games then you know most most gamers are are not really broad gamers they don't play first person shooters and rts's and mobas for example they tend to just like have one kind of game that they really play and even actually just play one game yeah i was gonna say i think it's more like they just play a game yeah a a specific game they'll play rocket league or counter-strike or starcraft and that's just what they they don't go there's you don't hear somebody go oh yeah i'm a moba player i play mobas yeah no they're just like yeah i play league that's it you know 
actually getting encouraging players to giving them reasons external motivation to try stuff they normally wouldn't do i think is also really cool because we even had during our beta test we had uh, at least one person who when they started beta testing crashlands uh, was like oh, this wasn't what i was expecting at all because they were expecting a fast arcadey kind of game and yeah there are components of that in crashlands but it's you know it's more it's mostly a crafting and story game you know more than it is an action game mm-hmm. and so so it's a slower paced thing and so he's kind of surprised by that and then actually doesn't like that kind of game, like hates Minecraft, hates Terraria, right? Uh, but because of the sort of external push to do it, because he was a beta tester and he was he's really into our other games, then he gave it a chance. So he put in a few hours and as he started to understand the mechanics, then he got really into it and ended up being one of the testers that put in more time than almost anybody else. And it was because of, you know, the giving it the chance factor that, that allowed him to try a new game genre. Yeah, well, I think if you think about it, it makes sense because yeah. why would it be the case that you just be like, "Oh, I just ugh, I hate this type of game." Like, <laughs> right. it's it's designed to be fun. There are sort of you know, uh, I mean, we ripped out a lot of problem or things that we saw as problems in crafting games, right? Things that we actually don't like about crafting games that tend to make us stop playing them when we made Crashlands. Yeah, and and I think that's actually probably a lot of it. Is there, I think there are certain aspects of any game genre that people who aren't really into that genre really don't like. And yeah, they're very identifiable and easy to. Yeah, and, yeah. and by by trying to by trying to identify those things, I mean our goal with Crashlands is to make it just as accessible and interesting to people as possible. So it has tons of different kinds of components, but we also try to rip out all the stuff that was frustrating about different genres. Yeah, and so if we can somehow continue to do that when we make new games um, so that people can come in and be like, oh, I thought I would hate an RTS. And then it turns out it's a little, it's different enough from RTSs and the sort of the standards and expectations that people have with those kinds of games that maybe, maybe we can make that something that someone who's not an RTS fan would actually like. And I'll also say a big reason for this is we tend to try to make games that are in genres that we typically don't get into um when we made towel fight i mean sam was really into binding of isaac but i didn't like it at all me neither um and so we were like well let's let's try to sort of capitalize on what is fun about that game because a lot of people do like it right um so let's look at the elements of that game that make it fun and then you know put our own spin on it try to make some things more accessible um and all that and then we did you know similar thing with like uh you know, people keep saying, oh, Crashlands, it looks a lot like Don't Starve. And yet it looks a lot like it in the sense that it is from the top down and you are crafting things. But uh, when you get into the actual meat of the game's mechanics, almost everything is different. Yeah. Um, in, in a lot of really huge ways. And that's just because we all played Don't Starve and we just weren't that into it. I think universally we hated it. Yeah. Well, um, actually... Uh, that's not that's not quite fair. I actually enjoyed the shit out of it for a good like twelve hours of gameplay. Um, but it, it's one it's one of those big things. I think it's also true. It's also a reason I didn't enjoy, or I guess don't enjoy, uh, Binding of Isaac is because any any kind of game with permadeath where there is absolutely no game external preserved, yeah, progress. where there's nothing preserved. I can only play for a while because at some point it just gets too frustrating to lose everything. Right. Yeah, that's that's what put me off of Don't Starve as well. But on, on top of that, just the the premise of the game being don't starve to death and also don't go crazy. It's a little dark. 
it's it's super depressing and it also made this this constant feeling of tension of feeling like everything you do you are sort of losing you know like oh i want to go explore a little oh i can't go explore because what if i don't find food in that direction you know i need to not starve to death that's the whole point yeah well what if you build something because then it's going to get struck by lightning and burnt to the ground <laughs> like yeah it's uh yeah and that's that's sort of the whole nature of the survival genre. Yeah, actually, that's right. Um, it's basically a completely no-win scenario because no matter what you do, it's – I mean, everything is a cost-benefit analysis anyway, but everything has a high cost and small benefit, and then there's no actual winning of the game. Nature always wins. Yeah. In the end, you die eventually. Yeah, so we just – we removed all the survival aspects for, for Crashlands and just made it into an adventure RPG. Yeah, that's something that people don't get too. Is they is they play Don't Starve, and I mean, I had this problem too when I first started playing it. I treated Don't Starve like a crafting game, but it's not. It's a survival game with a crafting mechanic, right. um, and that's a really important distinction. I think, I think the reason that probably a lot of people who don't like it don't like it is because they they think of it as a crafting game first, and then of course you're going to hate it because it's a crafting game where you lose everything you've all of your tech tree progress every few hours or less even is not a great crafting game yeah and i have to say too i i really have no interest in making a game that has starving to death as one of its sort of core mechanics because there's almost nothing less interesting that can happen to you because in order for you to starve to death just nothing has to happen for a really long time right i mean yeah. That's what it means to starve to death. <laughs> yeah. You didn't find food for a long time, and then you died. Uh, wow, that's real, real exciting. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's about where we are, I think. That being said, though, I think uh, all of us are actually very interested in, in stepping back into the roguelike. Oh, yeah. Um, well, yeah, but roguelike with, with metagame progression. Roguelite. Roguelite. All right, so that's kind of our plans for the new year, for 2016. And of course, as with all plans, uh, it will all be thrown away as soon as we start actually doing stuff. Yeah. So just bear in mind, this is what we want to do, not necessarily what is actually going to happen. Yep. Uh, okay, now it's time for the segment of the podcast called, here's some games we're playing. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Sam, you've been playing Hand of Fate. I beat it, finally. Uh, Wait, what is Hand of Fate again? Oh, so cool. So Wait. Uh, I what? Not to be confused with the terrible movie Manos Ma Hands of Fate. Manos Hands of Fate. Yeah, don't watch that. Uh, <laughs> but this is a game that you actually should play if you like. If you do like roguelikes. Where can we find it, Sam? It's on Steam. I saw it on Steam okay. uh, a while ago, but didn't really get super interested in it because the the sort of main picture, I guess the main sort of slug they use to show people who are potentially interested is of like a deck dealer, um, a card dealer. And I was like, I don't give a shit about card games. Um, so I didn't look into it, but then over the winter, uh, it was on sale for like seven bucks. And so I actually watched, I watched the trailer for one and then I read the reviews and the reviews from people were all just sterling where they're like, this is an incredible mashup of two different, uh, or basically of three different genres. So it's a, it's a, it's a roguelike, but it's a card, it's a deck building card game and also an action game. And so the way all of those blend together is there's this dealer, uh, so you're sitting at a at a card table essentially in some sort of in a weird looking like pantheon room and there's this dealer across the table from you and he's got this cool hood he's a very creepy character he's like always making fun of you for being terrible at the game and he deals you uh cards and so when you go and you enter a sort of a, a gameplay with him he he sorts a deck 
which is essentially your deck plus his deck. And his deck builds out, you know, all sorts of basically a dungeon. So the cards get laid down in a pattern, like a pathway. And then you have a little golden version of your of your character who is sort of stepping along. So you choose, you know, which direction to go. And one of the cards uh, on any given deal is a, like a pathway card that gets you to the next layer of the dungeon, so to speak, where there's a new, you know, assortment of cards. Is this want. also a real card game or does it have elements that you'll get to that are only video game possible? Uh, what do you mean? Like, cause it, so the way you've described it so far, it sounds like it could be a real life card game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. so it, it very easily could be. So basically what will happen is, so as you take a step, so you choose to go down a path in a particular direction, right? So you're trying to, the goal is to find the exit. Uh, and as you choose a step, your player moves and consumes a unit of food. Uh, and then also flips over that card. And it's essentially every, every card is like an encounter of some sort. And in some encounters, it, it plays very much like an actual card game where, so you don't have dice, but, uh, it'll be something like, oh, there's a ravine and you see a shiny object at the bottom. Do you want to go uh, inspect it? And if you say yes, then it shows you four cards. Uh, they're a random assortment of anything from, from huge failure to huge success. Uh, so these four cards, you might get like two of them that are regular failures and two of them that are regular successes. And then they turn over and then they shuffle in front of you and you have to pick. So you have to pick one of the four then that essentially determines what happens to you next. So it almost has like this text-based adventure feel to each one of these cards, right? Um, and so you'll say that in this ravine situation, you see you see the shiny object, the cards flip over, and you get a uh, a huge failure card. Oh shit! It's like oh you 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 stumble down, you trip and fall, and get impaled on something or whatever. And uh, and then the dealer actually draws you what are called pain cards, right? So essentially, in these cer- certain cer- certain circumstances, you get these really bad things that happen to you, like you'll lose ten health permanently. Or you'll lose five food or something like that. So this goes on and on and on. Um, and it's basically like you're, you're just trying to stay alive against this card deck. And, and then, so it's basically totally random then to this part you described so far? Uh, yes, except you get to build the deck, right? So while the dealer gets to choose uh, a, bunch of, a bunch of cards that also get inserted into the deck, you choose what encounters you might come across. And the really neat thing, and actually this is where the storytelling, like this game wraps a ton of stuff really intelligently together. So... Where the storytelling aspect comes in is that these cards that you'll find where you have this sort of random, you'll have a chance of having some particular thing happen, uh, sometimes you'll have a little sort of token on the bottom of them. And literally when when you turn over that card, the dealer reaches over and opens a little jar and he pulls out a token that then like floats in space. And what that token represents is if you if you achieve some particular end with that encounter you're on, then you get that token, and that token will unlock essentially the next card in that series. And so quests in these large storylines are actually played out over the course of your you know, like 12, 15 hours of play wow. by by the succession of cards, and the cards replace one another, which you, of course, only do in a video game. So, um, for example, there's one called the White Council, where you come across these uh, a, a village, and they've just been, they're all sort of pissed off. They're like, what the hell? These guys took all of our money and everything. And so you go, you catch up to these bandits, beat the crap out of them, return the money, and then you find out that you've essentially doomed this town because what they were doing was paying tribute to these wizards who, have, who are sort of like extorting everybody in the area. Mafia wizards. Mafia wizards. <laughs> That's basically what it is. And what plays out then is this, it's a quest line over like, I think it's like 10 cards, right? Where So again, you, you don't necessarily, you're not guaranteed to find these things when you're playing because you're choosing what cards to land on as you try to get to the exit. 
Um, and over ten cards, you sort of like you battle you battle all these wizards and and unlock wizards who are then roaming across the world who actually end up encountering and fighting, which is what I'll get to now. So some cards you turn over, and it's like, oh shit, you got ambushed by some monsters. And then the the dealer draws cards uh, based on what monsters you fought so far. And there's like bandits, there's lizard people, there's undead. Yeah, there's always lizard people. There's rat people. Um, and so he'll draw a but couple Sam, cards. Sam, what are there crab people? There are not crab people. The lizard people are close enough as far as like being really damn weird though. So, <laughs> um, so he'll he'll draw a couple of these cards and flip them over, and then you actually go into real time. Uh, extremely satisfying combat. <laughs> and it's very simple. There's like three buttons. So you can you can hit people by clicking. You can kick people by right-clicking, uh, which is kind of like a stun move. And then you can juke around with the space bar. And if you have a shield, you can also counterattack, and that's it. Uh, and it's they essentially use a telegraphing system, so it's very obvious what's about to happen. Uh, but the combat feels so good that it's ridiculous. Like Although something <laughs> I've learned about telegraph systems, according to YouTube comments, is that if you have a telegraph system, then six-year-olds can play your game, and it's therefore designed for six-year-olds, and therefore you shouldn't buy it if you're an adult. Yeah, because real adults just get hit in the face by shit that they had no right. idea was coming. Yeah. Adam, I thought we like told a man. You, <laughs> we told you to turn on your YouTube comments. I'm actually not using that. Oh yeah, so did we? We talked about this thing. We did. Yeah, we should talk. We should touch on it real quick. Okay. I think it, it's important to to note. So we sent out all of our press uh, contact stuff last Thursday, or I guess our first batch. Of it. We, we're still sending out a few, and uh, that it's supposed to be embargoed until Tuesday of next week before anybody can say really anything uh, or post any videos. And one of the bigger YouTubers has just sort of freely been posting videos, which you know, <laughs> whatever. At the end of the day, whatever. I mean, we gleefully broke the embargo. Yeah, we asked him not to, and then he didn't respond and kept posting videos. Yeah, so it is what it is. But uh, of course, you're going to get YouTube comments on these things, and we have a policy where we just try. I mean, especially on our own stuff, we just don't read them because people are so mean on the internet. Um, and there's a thing, a, a Google Chrome add-on called what is it, Herp Herp Derp Herp Derp for YouTube. <laughs> it just takes every word that someone types into a uh, comment section on YouTube. And just replaces it with herb or derp. And so, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I have a tendency to, when I watch a YouTube video, I actually scroll down and read the, start reading comments. I actually don't going. anymore. Well, yeah, so that's why I'm trying, I was trying to yeah. break that habit anyways. And now this thing literally just replaces it with herb derp. And it's just hysterical, especially if you forget about it for a while. <laughs> um, and it reminds you about, you know, how silly the internet is as a place. But what's, what's amazing about it is that I don't know what it is with YouTube comments. I don't know. They seem just so much worse than comment sections on almost anywhere else on the internet. Yeah, it is um, very weird. But now that all of my YouTube comments I see are just herps and derps, I haven't really lost anything. Like I, when I scroll down to the comments, if I just read a bunch of people going herp and derp, uh, I, I haven't like missed out on any information that I otherwise would have gotten. Yeah, you know? had you not done that. Yeah, right, which is incredible. It is. It's amazing how many people can take the time to say things while still saying absolutely nothing of value, just <laughs> at all. Um, yeah. So, hand of fate. What's your? I what, what's I think verdict? it's fantastic. The only problem with it, the only problem with it, is the final boss fight is so fucking crazy that it took me as long to to beat the final boss as it did for me to get to the final boss. That's good. I, <laughs> that, I like that though. That's so. It's about six or seven hours to get there, and then six or seven hours to beat him. I kid you not. That that's a real boss. Boring hours or interesting hours? No, I mean they're always interesting, right? Because I'm I'm still unlocking new cards. I'm 
sort of moving these these various storylines around and stuff as I'm failing horribly to, to fight this guy. And the reason it's so hard is that is that the end bosses of all the all of your rounds before that are like a jack of a jack of the rat people, for example, a queen of the rat people, and then a king of the rat people. So you're kind of working your way through the races, and uh, and then in the final battle, you have to fight all three of those of a particular race at once, and then you have to fight all four of those races. So yeah, it's actually <laughs> it's basically twelve <laughs> boss fights shoved together. Plus you have to like dodge crazy shit that the dealer himself is doing. So the dealer himself is is part of the boss fight, and so uh, it's this, it's this big. It's a it's a to do. This sounds awesome though. It reminds me of how you always point out that if you play Diablo, it's actually a very weirdly named game because you spend twelve hours getting to Diablo, not actually fighting Diablo or having anything to do with Diablo, yeah. right? And then you fight Diablo for eight minutes. I mean, and then it's maybe done. it was like a thirty second match. Yeah, I remember it being very short when yeah, I yeah my my, my monk Diablo. my monk was so overpowered that I uh I just stood there and punched Diablo in the face. Yeah, didn't, I mean... I, I didn't dodge anything, you know. It, it definitely... I think it's good that it's a long... That it's, like, took a long slog to do, but it seemed a little much. <laughs> it's yeah, probably, it to be fair, it would have been excessive if you had to fight Diablo for 12 hours. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, yeah, because um, in that game, you just wouldn't just click for 12 hours. Which just, I guess that's what you're doing anyway, so... Yeah. Well, the other thing is that... So, the, the, each one of those boss characters has a particular sort of uh, thing that they do to the rest of the people who are around them. And one of the final ones actually makes it so their their teammates can't die while they're still alive. And I didn't want to Google it, but I couldn't remember which one of these three things it was. And so I spent like 10 minutes on this particular section just beating the hell out of out of all of them until finally the the one that needed to die first died. <laughs> so uh, that, that could have been, yeah, better. I could have done that. Well, lesson learned. Google stuff. Should have Googled yeah. it. Yeah, ten out of ten would recommend. It's Sweet, fantastic. I will. I will check it out. I've been so after watching the Star Wars movie, I've been on a Star Wars kick. Um, I've been playing Knights of the Old Republic on my Android device, also, also called have, Kotor. Yeah, I also have it on PC, but since there's no cross-platform saving, I had to pick which one to play it on. Um, so I thought I would just play it on my mobile device, so I can kind of see how they did, how they adapted it. Um, it's a, it's a decent port. It was originally on the Xbox, like the, 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 the Xbox, uh, from, I think it came out in 2002, 2003, one of Bioware's first games. Um, uh, still a phenomenal game. Uh, I beat, I beat it like 10 years ago and I still want to play it again. So if you haven't played Knights of the Old Republic, friggin' check it out. It's on Steam. It's on Xbox. It's on android i don't know if it's on ios but uh anyway i've also been playing the old republic a little bit which is not knights of the old republic it's just the old just the regular old republic yeah it's technically the sequel to knights of the old republic so there's a whole bunch of story elements that carry over but the old republic is an mmo um and it's also made by bioware and it's a weird mmo in that you can basically play it like a single player game and it doesn't matter like you never you never really need to interact with other people um so i'm not sure why it's an mmo but there's eight <laughs> there's eight different classes and so in a in every other mmo i've played everybody kind of goes through the same 
leveling experience, right? So like if you're a warrior or a rogue or a wizard or whatever, it doesn't matter. You all just do the same quests and, and whatever. Maybe every now and then you'll get like a special class quest, uh, but that's not the case in the Old Republic. In the Old Republic, there are fully voiced entire leveling experiences for every individual class. So if you level up as a bounty hunter, you will have a completely different leveling experience than somebody who levels up as like a Sith Marauder or a Jedi Knight or a, a uh, Republic Trooper or whatever. Um, so that's pretty cool. I think there's a lot of replayability there, but it, I don't know. It still feels weird to me that it's an MMO. I see other people running around and so far my only real interaction with other people is that every now and then I'll be doing a side quest and they will also have the side quest and they'll just like run up and kill the monster before I can get there. And then I can't do it for a while. <laughs> like that's like, so, so far the only interaction I've had with other people has been a, like a bad thing. Oh, that's kind of how I felt about World of Warcraft when I was playing it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's the same. Yeah. Um, so, I, and, it, and this is also part of the problem of, and I, th and also in the old Republic, they have, uh, the game's been out for four years. When it was first out, the level cap was 50. Now it's 65. And for some reason, uh, they thought that in order for this to be like, to, for people to still feel good about the level cap being raised, they sped up the leveling process. Oh. So, hmm. so I'm about 10 levels higher than all the stuff that I'm fighting. Um, and so everything so is broke trivially, the balance, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything has been trivially easy so far. And right now, the only thing that's keeping me going is just the sort of how interesting the the story is. Because so far, I have not fought a single thing that has been even remotely challenging. Hmm. Uh, so that's kind of a kind of a bummer. But it's also pretty typical of almost every MMO I've I've played these days, where everything is just insanely easy as you're leveling up. Yeah, what so, does it deal with it? I don't know. I think I think there's some kind of a like I don't know. Maybe the developers view that as making it more accessible and also having like a good single player experience where you just absolutely don't need to have other people around in order to just one shot everything or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Seems seems like a pretty bad design decision, but everybody's making it. So who are we to criticize? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that those are the the vid, vid James I've been playing. And then, uh, so as far as recommendations, definitely play Knights of the Old Republic. I don't know about the old, about the old Republic, whatever. 50, <laughs> yeah. 50. Um, and otherwise we have, uh, we've been planning on putting together Dungeons and Dragons sessions. Mm -hmm. So I got the dungeon that this is tabletop, not, uh, not any video game stuff. Uh, but what's cool about it is that almost every convention of modern video game RPGs and stuff is somehow derived from Dungeons and Dragons, which is really weird to see. Like when you're reading through the the Dungeon Master's Guide and all that, um, just seeing all of these terminologies and stuff that are from like 40 years ago or whenever it was that Dungeons and Dragons first appeared, still being used today in in video game content. In every funny video game. Well, I was reading through that stuff, and I was like, man, it would be nice to have a calculator just doing this in the background for you constantly. Because <laughs> goddamn. Well, what's cool about Dungeons & Dragons, so for those of our listeners who haven't played it or don't know much about it. I actually haven't played it. So the basic premise is one person is the dungeon master, and their job is to is to basically act as the role of what would normally be like what the computer does in a video game. As the dungeon master, you uh, you lead the other players through an adventure, 
And so, for example, when the players talk to an NPC, the dungeon master speaks as the NPC. And you can even, like, make up voices and stuff uh, or whatever. Uh, when the players are fighting a, a monster or something, the players will say what they want to do. So, like, maybe it's Sam's turn in combat and he's a gnome warlock. And he's like, I'm going to cast this spell. And so then as the dungeon master... I will tell him what he needs to do to make that happen. So be like, okay, you roll a 20-sided die, and then based on your intelligence level or whatever, you can like add two to your dice roll or something. And then if you roll a high enough number, then your spell succeeds. Um, so, so it's basically kind of like a meeting between the players playing as these different characters going through an adventure uh, with the dungeon master guiding them through. Yeah, I think the, the best way to think about it, it's, it's literally just a storytelling engine it's a group storytelling exercise yeah with rules yeah it's uh it it can be amazing and if you if you are sort of interested in seeing what it's like uh i would i would recommend checking out the adventure zone podcast which is put on by the mcelroy brothers who are hilarious and their dad Uh, and their dad who is also Oftentimes, unintentionally hilarious. Uh, he he forgets the rules a lot, which is <laughs> which is pretty hilarious. Um, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna probably play some uh, play some Dungeons and Dragons this weekend. So I'm gonna do I'm gonna be the dungeon master, and then Sam and his fiance and my wife will be the adventurers. And I would also adventure, but I have my own game night to go to, so I cannot participate. Yeah, in it's this okay first though because. It'll be a, it'll be a rusty first thing because I've never done I've never been a dungeon master before and I have to read through the whole several hundred page dungeon master's guide to sort of learn all the rules and stuff. Uh, so it's it's there's a learning curve to it. Totally. Sure. Um, all right, so that's all we got for what we're playing, games that we're playing. Let's talk about it. Uh, now on to questions. So these questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. And they are submitted by Bscotch ID members. Uh, some of them are anonymous, a couple of them. Uh, but anyways, yeah, if you want to get your questions onto our future podcast, just head on over there to podcast.bscotch.net and ask away. All right, so our first question comes from Racing for the Finish with 12 upvotes. If you could relive, not redo, just relive, mm. any moment in your life, what would it be? Okay. I, I was thinking about this from the redoing perspective. Now I gotta, because this is like a positive thing. <laughs> if you can relive, yeah, I mean, it might not be a positive thing. Yeah, I don't know, but so okay, so if you were to relive a moment in a meaningful way, right? So it, it would mean that just from a practical standpoint, I'm trying to understand how to think about this question. So you're gonna like gonna go, your mind is gonna go back in time. You're basically trapped in your own body, right? And you're gonna as as it goes as an observer. Stuff. Because you can't yep. change anything, so you're gonna be. There's like, no definition of what how long a moment is. Like, I guess it could be like a day, could be yeah. some event. Yeah. So you'll be yeah. like trapped in your own mind as an observer for some event in the past, uh, and then in order for this to be meaningful in any way, presumably you then get snapped back into your present mind and are fully functional again, and you get to have now this like fresh memory of having observed that. Does that sound right? Is that like an accurate? Yeah. What yeah. do you think about this? Okay. This, it doesn't say that you. It doesn't say that you can only relive this moment once. Maybe you can just always relive this moment. Relive it. Can't be trapped in that moment. Any, anytime you want, you can put your mind back in that moment. So now here's. Mm. But here's the thing. Where? Uh, basically, <laughs> basically, 
any mo any uh, like really awesome thing from childhood so take like take old video games as a, as a really good example of this um like i have in my in my memory i have this i this uh this vague sense of like awe and awesomeness from the game pathways into darkness from Bungie from forever ago, like 91 or something like that. Uh, recently I got to play it again on an emulator and, and it, it was garbage. Right. But, but in my memory, the thing was, was just fabulous. Well, I and think this is true of like, of basically any old video game that, that I touch. Right. And that, that's an easy reference because you can you can that's a thing that you get to like try to re-experience again and you can do it maybe 20 years apart because the technology allows you to do that. And in fact, movies are actually similar, right, where you'll have like a vague recollection of maybe an old cartoon or something and you go back yeah. and rewatch it. And not always, but the vast majority of the time you're like, what the what the hell is this? You know, uh, or you get to relive it. Um, but in a uh, where, where there are multiple layers and you get to now as an adult you know, is your current self actually see the second layer because of how many things have happened in your life, which is just a long way to say, I'm actually not sure it's a good thing to be able to go back and relive. A well, I think, well, I guess what, what if the, there's the other stipulation that you, you relived it as that self. Yeah. If you could, if you could self. relive the feeling. Yeah. You're not, I would say that's, that's the way to think about it as opposed to just a popping in and observing. You're not, so it's really, it's like, it's a you're literally flashing back. In living that for a brief moment. You're basically refilling your nostalgia well. Right. Is that yeah. the idea? Yeah, pretty much. I don't know. Nostalgia is kind of sad, though. You know, because it's like, it's... Uh, it's happy sad. It's happy sad. Um, it, I mean, it's probably for me, it's the case that most things that used to make me nostalgic kind of don't really anymore. Um, but I remember never, like, really loving the feeling of nostalgia. I'd always be like, oh, because it's always like, I kind of wish that's how things still were. But not they a lot. can't be, and now you're sad. And now you're kind of sad, right? Um, so, so even though, like, I think, I think what you're saying is better. I still don't think it's necessarily a good thing to be able to go refill that well. Well, I think, I mean, for me, it's it's more that. So I don't remember much from being a kid, uh, just because terrible memories and stuff. So I think my <laughs> what happened? No, 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 not terrible memories. As in, oh, like, I have terrible, a terrible memory. Terrible memory. <laughs> okay. Terrible memory. It's like shit. Um. So, so I think, I mean, my approach to this is actually the difficult one is I would like to, I would like to relive stuff that I can't remember because, <laughs> because that'd be useful. Just to get uh, a memory of it. As far as like having, yeah, to be able to swap through these different sections of life that I, that I literally don't remember at all. Um, I think that'd be, that'd be fantastic. That's what I would like to have available, uh, which makes it difficult, of course, to relive a particular moment because I don't know what that moment is. I would yeah. like to relive a moment that was important in some way, but that I cannot remember. That's what I would like. Yeah. To it must well, not have been is, that important. This is super but that's, complicated. I think though. it can be. I think it could totally be that important. If you know anything about how memory works, your memory is just like hilariously bad for, for keeping track of oh, that is a fact. things. So it's, you know, it's totally viable. There might be something very important that happened to you. That might have been like, it might have been very, a very chilled out event. Like someone, you know, someone taking you to get ice cream and having a particular conversation or something that, somehow accidentally informed a lot of the stuff that you do in your whole life, but you can't remember it because maybe it was at the time, not a particularly big, big deal. Like you said. Um, so I would like, I would like to be able to, if you had a sort of, you know, a timeline of life events available and there are ones that I can't remember, presumably that are dark. On you know that, what? And I would like to go back to some of those. On that note, I have a, I have a very practical answer. G given that, given your answer. 
which is what I would like to be able to do is go back and revisit because I don't trust my memory at all. I basically, as far as I'm concerned, every moment that has existed before the current moment I'm in is completely imaginary because I don't trust my brain to remember. <laughs> so, but what the, what happens with uh, as as happens with everybody is that somebody you know will tell you know be telling a story about a thing that you were involved in. And you'll hear the story, and maybe you'll hear it a bunch of times. You'll 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 be pretty sure that it's been changing over time as that person tells it. Um, but your own memory is being swayed by that telling of the story and the retelling of the story, and so you also and you're just unsure actually like what the situation actually was. So if it was a general ability to go back to a moment and relive it, I would like to do that for a informational purpose. So that well, that's that's just like <laughs> perfect recall, right? Yeah, I would I would use yeah. it as a perfect recall mechanism. So that could be like, I'm actually not sure what happened here. I have a, I have a recollection, you know, a vague recollection of what happened here, but I don't trust it. So I want to go back and revisit <laughs> that moment so I could just observe it again and then come back basically with a fresh memory. But here's the problem. I feel like that would make you super annoying, though. Well, no. That conversation. It, it, you know? Aren't I already? Would it, it would change? only make you, it would only make annoying. you annoying if, if it was the case that, like, the people you're talking to who don't have this ability, right? They would always be telling a story, and they. Yeah, would I'm not like, saying nah. I have to interrupt the story and be like, "You're wrong. That's not how it happened." Right? Because I'm there, there's already there's already a thousand cases where people are telling a story where I'm quite confident that's not how it happened, but it makes a good story, and so I just keep my mouth shut. Yeah, but, but then, I would like to then, then have confidence about how right I was, even if I don't declare it. Publicly. Yeah, but you'd run into the problem where you just be constantly irritated at how nobody else can seem to remember what happened. And if you do jump in and be like, no, 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 actually, here's what happened. You would be ostracized for your perfect well, recall. No, Adam. nobody would believe you. Well, that's that's the problem, is nobody would believe you, and then you would just be like, well, fuck, like, what's the point of even remembering? Well, then this brings into... This <laughs> not brings not into, even for your own personal satisfaction? Well, this brings into view the, the question of, of uh, what is it, what is important when it comes to memory, right? Because essentially... Something there's something that's getting constructed along the way. There's a story that's actually being built out of a memory along the way, and it's free to mold and change itself and whatever else, and actually kind of fit fit the purpose that it sort of maybe only vaguely did in, in the first place better as time goes on as people mold it. Memory and is an entrenchment tool for your present. That's what she said. <laughs> well, it is. But it's it's more like a, I mean the, the narratives that you tell yourself and that you tell others. Or how you sort of construct your identity in a very large way. And so, you know, the, there's the question of what's important. Is it actually important to be accurate? Because I think the answer is not, not really. It's not well, really I think important it to be accurate. depends on context. It's important to be uh, uh, consistent, but not necessarily accurate. Right? Okay, so coming back to the question, though. Okay. I think, I think there, it's a lot more complicated than it originally lets on. It seemed because, pretty complicated just from the well, start. Well, because... because <laughs> At any given moment, so it's saying, you know, if you could relive any moment of your life, what would it be? But the person you were at the time, like, let's say, let's say my moment was uh, maybe like the first time I walked into swimming practice, right? Which I didn't realize it at the time, but it was a, like, it was a big deal because it sort of changed everything in my life from that point forward. Um, but the person that I was then, I was very different. At that time, I had a completely different set of memories because I've forgotten probably everything that I knew at that time. And right? you had a different worldview. I had a different worldview. I had different friends. I experienced things differently because you knew every, a lot less. I knew nothing. I still know uh, very little, um, but I knew almost nothing. And so everything that I heard, most of it I was hearing for the first time. 
you know, uh, everything was new. And so if you want to go back and relive a moment of your life, the only way for you to actually relive it would be to temporarily cease being the person that you currently are and sort of transplant yourself back into the mental state that you used to be in. Yeah, but then somehow you have to bring that back right, for it bring to have it back, any value yeah. for you, which you can't do because there's not like there's no way to translate your your perception of that moment filtered by all of your life experience to an a, a modern day, you know, yeah. experience of that. And maybe it would just be the case that when you come back into the present you'd be like, "Man, I was an idiot." I think universe like, is going to be the case. I just didn't know anything and yeah. everything was really interesting to me and I said a lot of dumb things. <laughs> a lot of dumb things. Yeah. So personally, I probably wouldn't relive any moments. Just sunk cost. Just move forward. Forget it ever happened. I think it'd be fun to be able to do, but I can't. I honestly can't think of a thing where I'm like, yeah, that's a thing that I would do, that I would go back to. Well, yeah, that's just it. And it, and it, it sounds like it might be a fun thing at first glance, but I think ultimately it would be useless for you and probably just make you sad. Yeah. But I mean, th- but, think, <laughs> but I mean, think about what you're talking about, though, because like I don't think it's the case, because all you're talking about is remembering things right now, really. Um, yeah, no, when I no, when I, so I'm talking about the context of actually reliving the moment. So, like I was just saying about going back into that state of mind and really, right, right. I mean, you're talking about literally reliving reliving the moment, but I'm saying that functionally, your memory is it gives you the ability to do a similar thing, um, and even like reading a really good book allows you to to live someone else's existence for, for a particular moment yeah, with their I mean, mindset. Ki- kind of, because when you're remembering, you're also remembering it through the lens of your present self. Yeah, for sure. So, But I'm saying like, it's it's in a way, just it's like Adam was saying, it's, it's basically enhanced or perfect recall of a scenario minus your current lens, right? Minus well, no, it's, it's a very bad recall also minus your perfect lens or your current lens, sorry. Well, I guess we'll have to answer this question with, oh, <laughs> it's complicated. Uh, all right, next question comes from Mia Kitty with nine upvotes. One for Adam's statistics machine. Stats how many machine. In, how many interns have been lost to the regions of space in Flop Rocket and or Roid Rage? Do you keep track of these statistics at all? And if not, what do you keep records of? We, I guess I'll answer that last question first. So... In each of our games, we have a you know a stats page for Beastcatch ID that you can compare. You can just do a little leaderboard with you and other players. So all of those stats we have for everyone, which or everyone who's in Beastcatch ID. Uh, at the moment, it's only for people who have buttered up in the game. But as we talked about earlier, we're changing the butter up system so that this will actually be present for everybody who logs into the game. Yeah, which will then become about three times as many people, something like that. Um, so, uh, so, so right now all the stats we have are for people who are buttered up, but we do have those stats plus anything else that's related to game progression, um, so that we can sync your progress, uh, across devices and stuff. Um, so yeah, so anything you see in your stats and anything that would obviously be needed to, to, you know, port your game from one device to the next, like what pets you're using or anything like that. Tell us about dead people, Adam. I want to hear about death. Coming to dead people. Uh, so I looked these up right before we started this podcast, uh, and I, I did, I rounded them a little bit because, you know, who cares about precise numbers? So Flop Rocket. It's just deaths. It's just deaths. Uh, in Flop Rocket, two million players have died. Wait, that's just of people who have logged in and buttered up. Yes. And I feel like my Roid Rage number is wrong here. I need to go back and look at this. This seems like way too many. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that does seem like me. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it? <laughs> 
It we have we have on the page here three hundred and twenty three million. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it's maybe off by a factor of something. By a factor, of yeah, a yeah, thousand. By a factor of a thousand, it's three hundred twenty three thousand. Mm, um, Roid Rage has the fewest number of number of buttered up players. Yeah, right. Okay, uh, but yeah. So okay, so three hundred twenty three thousand Roid Rage deaths, two million flop rocket deaths, and these are across actually just uh, uh, I think what is it, a handful of thousands of players. Um, Damn. So on average, the you know our, our active players are are dying hundreds or thousands of times per play <laughs> in, in these games. But to me, the fun one actually was that in Crashlands, uh, which isn't available, the only people who've played it are our about 120 really active beta testers. Uh, there have already been 13,000 deaths. Which is impressive. That's which is pretty good. <laughs> well, the great thing about that is when you die in Crashlands, a you die graves- in real life. Yeah, and also oh, wait, sorry, gra- that's not that's not what happened. <laughs> that's the ring or something. Uh, a gravestone falls from the sky, and you can go back and pick that gravestone up, and you can put it by your base as sort of like to make a little graveyard. So there are thirteen thousand gravestones floating around and distributed across. People's bases. <laughs> I think my favorite screenshot that someone sent us was the they built the big base and then were spelling out the word help with their gravestones. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, another thing that we are wanting to do, so we kind of realize that it, it can be a bit uh, cumbersome to have like 200 goddamn gravestones. So one thing we're going to look at doing in the big content patch is adding a craftable item where you can combine, say, like 50 gravestones and make a sort of memorial statue to yourself or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then maybe even take it one step higher and take like 10 of those to make some kind of a crazy huge monument sort of a thing. Uh, that way you can consolidate your, your graveyard and make it a little bit less sprawling. Yeah, maybe they'll even give you buffs because if you're dying that much, maybe you need a little extra. Maybe, you, maybe you need some help. <laughs> of course, that, then it, min-maxers will just go kill themselves a thousand times. And, <laughs> That's true. You know. But you know if that's if that's how they want to play the game, then who am I to stop them from? By all means, that? that's how you yeah. want to play it. That's how it, you got to play it. Doesn't it. sound very fun to me to play no. it that way. All right, next question comes from Flavin or Flavin. Flavin Flav. Flavin Flav. <laughs> Flavin Flavin. Upvotes. The podcast is called Coffee with Butterscotch, but you guys talk about coffee very little. So mm. let's talk about it. Do you drink it? How much? Where do you buy it? If you brew it yourself, what is your preferred brew method? Uh, okay, wait. I want to. I want to interject with the story here before we get dive into this. Is it a related story? It is related. So what I was getting, what I was getting the the cancer exhaustion before I knew that I had it. I would compete with the cancer by drinking a shitload of coffee every morning. And I'm talking like spoiler it, alert: the cancer won that fight. <laughs> yeah. So That's coffee. So, does, coffee does not cure cancer. So I would wake up and I'd be like, God damn, I'm tired, and I would make a pot of coffee. And I drink the whole pot of coffee like in a go, so in like an hour. Are you um, talking? So are you talking like a drip pot of like? Yeah, you know, I'm talking a, a French press. So that's like the thirty the ounce one, or French press, the big one. Yeah, that's okay. the one I used to have. So, so a thirty ounce French press. Yeah, so you're talking like like three cups of coffee, basically three like good sized uh, cups of coffee. Yeah, easy. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then that would be that would get me to like eleven, and I'd be like, oh god, I'm so tired. And I'd do another one of those. <laughs> And that would get me to like two in the afternoon, and then I just have to nap because I was too tired. Uh, the coffee that I make now is basically the same potency because of that whole thing. Like I just pour a ton of beans in there, um, or a ton of uh, ground, grounds in there, and so I make extremely powerful coffee. 
And I'm making the only it a, way. I make it in a French press, and it'll put some hair on your chest if you drink it. And it's just uh, it's just it's Starbucks. Like, it's like brand, mud. Yeah, is it, is it a little like soupy because it's got a lot of particles in there? It stuff? will be. Yeah, it is once you get to the bottom. Seth occasionally gets to the bottom of the of the press, and then it's like. Yeah, but you know, uh, to me, that's kind of like drinking that. You know that that uh, the dregs of the French mm-hmm. press. It's kind of like choosing to drink whiskey instead of beer. You know, where it's like I know why I'm drinking this, so <laughs> I'm just gonna go for it. I'm here to get the job done. Yeah, just just get the maximum potency per fluid ounce. Yeah, so I do. Uh, I do a, a French press, and we have there's these Asian things. Which are uh, this Asian appliance, which I had never seen. Diana's mom got us one, which is a it's a hot water heater, but you just put like you just put water in it, like a liter. I think it's two liters of water ours holds, and it just keeps it boiling hot all the time. Um, and so you know, in the morning, get up and put too many grounds basically into the bottom of this, of this French press, which is actually just a big metal carafe because my other one shattered. We set those as all time too. We just shatter. Glass French presses, <laughs> yeah. I, I broke, made of metal. Yeah, I broke four French presses, and then finally, uh, our mom had an old shitty plastic one laying around from like five years ago. She's like, "Here, just take this." You're because shattering a French press is the worst because like you push the plunger down, and all of a sudden it just goes, and then just coffee, hot boiling coffee, just pours <laughs> well, all you, over. You break it while plunging it. Yeah, that's how, how? I broke it. What is time. what are the physics behind what's I, happening? I don't know. I think I it's the heat, the pressure. Are you the... applying? Is it because you have so many grounds, and because you just instead of instead of pushing it down and then letting it up so the grounds can fall, you just force it as hard as you can? Fuck probably, yeah. probably that. So you're literally <laughs> cut, so you're adding like because you guys are both strong as fuck, so you're probably adding like a hundred pounds of pressure. Well, I think what's the point of using a French press if you're not going to also sort of bench f- press fuse it <laughs> fuse it into your daily tricep routine? French press is one of Seth's tricep routines. Yeah, I do. Uh, he does it uh, after yeah, every, his bench press. Every morning, I do 83 pounds of French press. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I drink. I think all of us drink a ton of coffee. Um, and then, as far as where I buy it, I buy it from the grocery store pre-ground because I don't have a grinder and I don't care about. I'm not. I don't care. Like Seth was saying, I don't care about uh, the luxury. Of you're you're not a snob. You're not a coffee I'm, snob. I'm here to get jazzed, and that's it. Yeah, I'm here so to get jazzed. Here to get fucked up. <laughs> so, uh, so I just buy the Starbucks brand from. It's always on sale at the at the Schnucks that I go to at the store. Yeah, my approach to coffee is is not is different than that. Because um, I am a coffee snob, although much less so than I used to be. Because uh, I, I worked in a coffee shop when i was in college where we roasted our own coffee on site and so and, I, and I've, I've been drinking coffee since i was like eight or something because i had adam is such a coffee snob that he burned his own arm with a <laughs> with a coffee grinder thing and is permanently scarred and disfigured. although that was not intentional it was because our roaster because caught of- on fire <laughs> well, and yeah, dripped well. it dripped <laughs> flaming epoxy into my arm while i was trying to deal with it Flaming but, epoxy, yeah, would whatever. Flaming epoxy, but that was that was a long time ago. <laughs> but so I got used while I was working there. Anytime we would roast a batch, we would roast a batch every few days. Um, then I would, as part of the deal that I had with uh, with my employment, I could drink as much coffee as I wanted on site. And anytime we roasted coffee, I could throw in an extra like half pound and just take it home. And so if I could have an extra half pound every few days, that's more than enough coffee to support yourself anyway. And it was you know, freshly roasted. So I could like roast some coffee and then drink it five minutes later. Mm. 
And so I got, I got really used to that in that environment. And ever since then have been kind of sad about coffee because there's no other way unless you just roast it at home, which I don't have any way to do without smoking up her house and making my wife angry. Uh, there's just no way to do that um, and have it be that fresh. So, so for me, my, my current coffee approach is to seek out the freshest coffee I can find, which usually means finding some local roaster that stocks like a Whole Foods or some other horrible place, but that does tend to have, you know, local produce and stuff. Uh, so like our, our Whole Foods nearby has a few local roasters and those have actual dates stamped on it. So I try to find stuff that's only a few days old. Uh, and if I'm really lucky, it'll be like in that day that I can be super excited about it. <laughs> um, I will say when we visited, when we visited you guys, that was some good coffee. Yeah. I mean, like place. there's a different, there's when you're in the middle kind of coffee with it, it's like your pre-ground stuff, your Starbucks and your, like those various things that you just go buy and they don't even have dates on them, you know, all that stuff. That's that's basically that's all the same level of quality. So it's there's not like there's terrible. Just, it's, it's just fine. There's it's there's just, but there's no good. difference. They're just you know there's some minor taste differences and stuff. Some are more burnt than others, that kind of thing. But for the most part, it's just all the same. But when you go into like the really good fresh stuff that's roasted well, um, it's just a different thing. So I try to inhabit that space. I, and I, I'm happy to drink shitty coffee as well. Like it doesn't bother me. Um, but when I'm seeking out my own coffee stuff. I try to find the fresh stuff. So, and then I also, I used to only do French press, but now uh, for the past, I don't know, like half year or something, I actually use a tea infuser and I've got oh. this little, I got this little uh, metal tea infuser. It's the kind that just, it's not the one that closes. It's just sort of like a little mini cup with tiny holes in it that you just set inside of the actual mug. And so I just throw two scoops of freshly ground, freshly roasted coffee into it, uh, like two heaping tablespoons and then slowly pour, not boiling, but super hot water over the top. And let it sit for a few minutes, and then I've got super powerful coffee that's oh really good. That's a good idea. It's also easy to clean up because fucking those French presses, although they're awesome, are really annoying. Yeah, that's why I got I got rid of mine. I just use a a uh, you know Mister Coffee. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I gotta get my gains every morning. But so. I w- I will say, yeah, Sam's gotta get his tricep workout with his French press. <laughs> uh, I mean, so, so far for me, the only thing that's a really big sort of bummer about my daily coffee experience is that i don't have a fireman's pole that goes down to the the kitchen from my bedroom mm, yeah <laughs> uh, i mean the, the bedroom is right above the kitchen so it seems like and, and actually if you were to like plot it a, a vertical line from the coffee machine it's basically about even with my nightstand okay so if i could just wake up in the morning reach over to my right grab the fireman's pole <laughs> It just pull myself out of bed and slide down to the coffee machine. I feel like that would be the best way for me. Well, to I'll be honest, coffee. though. I feel like I feel like <laughs> you in the morning plus a huge hole in the ground is just that's just gonna be a recipe for disaster. Either way, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna have an interesting morning. So. <laughs> yeah, well, either adrenaline will wake you up as you plummet to your approximate death, or. Or you'll uh, get some caffeine. So it's I guess it's a win-win. Can you absorb caffeine through wounds? I don't know. Probably. You'll oh, yeah. find out pretty shortly after doing it, I think. You can absorb caffeine through pretty much anything. If you try hard enough. Uh, all right. Let's hit uh, Let's hit one more question, and, and then we'll call it a day. So we're, we'll be about, like I don't know, 20, 25 minutes of extra bonus content for you guys. Um, that's DLC. We'll be charging charging you directly uh, <laughs> so don't worry about that well the, yeah well, don't even worry about it just you just keep listening and we'll send you a bill in the mail 
Mm-hmm. No, we won't even do that. We'll just take the money straight out of your accounts. We have, <laughs> we have your cards on file, so no problem. Yeah. Uh, all right. So next question or last question comes from Gafferman. Gafferman says, Mia Kitty's got you covered on the weirdest, but what's the most unwittingly phallic creature you designed? <laughs> this is a this is a great question to I feel on. like it's a little bit of a leading question because it says unwittingly phallic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do know. What you mean? Well actually, but it is true though, that there is it's not a creature, but the most presumably unwittingly phallic thing. Uh <laughs> Was phallic enough <laughs> that it, it literally yeah. resulted? It was it was it's in Crashlands. It resulted in one of Seth's feedback items when we got the whole feedback system put up, being literally Sam make this thing look less like a dildo. <laughs> I will say though, it still looks exactly the same way it did. Yeah, I didn't change it. Not because... phallic. It's dildo like. Dildalic. Dildalic. <laughs> okay, the important point here, though, is right. that so it's actually it's it's supposed to be a kaleidoscope. Right, which yeah. of course kaleidoscopes are very phallic in nature, oftentimes. Well, I mean, in that they're a tube. Right, but that's basically what phallic means, which is kind of unfair because <laughs> lots of stuff is just a tube. Well, no, but at the but end of the day. certain aspects that you add to it can then make it more phallic. For example, I I, there this, were no this balls item, on yeah, this. This, <laughs> this item looks like it has balls, kind of. Okay, no, well, no, I think no, it's not it does that it has not, balls. No, it's got no balls. It's got it's ribbed. It's ribbed. It's ribbed for her pleasure. For your viewing pleasure, because it's a glass. It's made of a. It's made of a thing called a called a tuber, which is a long purple bumpy shaft (laughs) that protrudes from the ground, and you have to pop it out of the ground. They're supposed to be like berry things, you motherfuckers. So the other, I guess, the other important context piece here, though, is that so this this is one of the uh, catalytic agents for the glidopus. And so the Galitopus, in order to transform it into its more powerful uh, counterpart, first you have to give it, again, this is part of the contextual problem, is that the first item is called a Galitopus love balloon. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, somehow the Glidopi have ended up with just like sex toys as all of their <laughs> it's, it's literally items. like a, it's like a water balloon that you like shittily have drawn a Glidopus face on. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Wait a minute. The the love balloon is the first item for evolving the glidopus. Yeah, and, and the then... second item is the dildo kaglidoscope. <laughs> right. And this, I mean, these were made months apart. I, I also, think a year apart. Yeah. Uh, so I had, I just was making stuff. Because the love balloon to... was originally used as a taming item, where you had to throw the love balloon at a glidopus. Yeah. In yeah, order to trick it into being your pet, you, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you do. You no longer. You don't throw a dildo at it, though. No, no the dildo. Well, we've, changed, we've changed the game mechanic. <laughs> yeah, once it's, it's not, once it's nesting, no. then you you show it to a dildo, and then it gets the <laughs> you idea. Just, you just hit it with a dildo uh, in the face, <laughs> and then it evolves. And then it grows. <laughs> it's like a thunderstorm, and then it gets shoot. bigger when you hit it. When you hit well, it that's pretty much how puberty works for people, though, too, right? So <laughs> You just get hit with a dildo, and then you get really big all of a sudden. So, yeah, I think as far as the un- most unwittingly phallic thing, uh, that one... That's definitely that the one. That one definitely takes... Is there a unwittingly phallic creature? There was the Emerald Smash Borer, which... That was another item, though. It was a... Well, it was a little, like, insect... That came out of uh, so. Here's the problem: is that lots of things look like dicks. As the it turns pro- out, <laughs> well, the problem with this one, the problem with this one was that it was sort of like a grasshopper, but it was just like a long, slender body, and then a penis, <laughs> penis head, 
shaped head it as shaped its like head. A, it was not shaped like a penis. It was look, guys. pretty. It was a bug. You guys, everybody seems to get their minds out of the damn gutter. It was, on this it stuff. was pretty, pretty dicky. Which is pretty dicky. Yep. Uh, actually, okay. Let's hit. Let's hit one more. One more okay, question, sure. and then we're calling it a day. Okay. Okay. Fine. Uh, this last question comes from James. James with a Z. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why I put that emphasis on it. Okay. Uh, James says, if you were on a deserted island somewhere, which one of you would be the first slash last to perish and why? Also, what skills do you have that would help you to survive? <laughs> is first I, slash slash last, is that like one thing? So it's like a, it's like a quantum. It's a quantum perishing The problem. first and last. <laughs> Uh, Which one but, of you would be the first and last to die? I have a, but Seth on I have a question island. first. Well, actually, though. if only one of us died, then technically that person would be both the first and the last to die. I want to make sure that you read this question That's true. exactly correctly, not how you expect it to be. Is it desert or dessert? Deserted. There's only one S. So deserted. It's definitely There's just deserted. nothing there. If, okay. it was a, if it was a de- desert <laughs> island... Uh, I would be the first to die of a diabetes. diabetic coma. I don't know. It depends on which one of us is most resistant to diabetes. Because we would all be... We, that would be the best moment of our lives. Our whole family has a real problem with sweets. We don't get diabetes very much, though. We just eat a lot <laughs> not of sugar. Very, not very I much. I get diabetes all the time. <laughs> well, I, mean, I mean, we don't have much history. No, we got, great, we? We got great pancreases. Yeah. Pancreas. Probably from all I the think sugar there's some got. history. Yeah, not not a really extensive history of it. I not think, as I think our as grandfather got it in his early seventies, so he made it a long time. Considering he lived mostly on ice cream, I think <laughs> I think he he had it going on. Mm-hmm. Good good pancreas action. Yeah. Uh, all right. So so, so yeah. So who's what? gonna die? I guess it's the question. Or I guess maybe let's let's talk skills first. Uh, Adam, what do you bring to the table? Yeah, pitch, man? pitch your survival skills, Adam. For my survival <laughs> skills for a deserted island. We're not putting you in this dinghy unless you bring something to the deserted <laughs> island table. Uh, the problem is we don't have any details on what's on this deserted island. Because if it was like a deserted island in the Arctic, for example, that's a very different scenario than like... Let's a, go with traditional, okay? Okay, traditional and meaning... Besides it's, your besides so, your ability to question everything. So I think we've got what, a sandy <laughs> beach... And we've got palm trees, presumably. Palm trees, yeah. Presumably, there's uh, there's a there's a spring. We'll is it like the spring. situation in Lost? I think it's probably like sure. a Castaway or a Castaway. Okay, so which, which those are actually the exact same story. Probably yeah. even took place on the same island. Definitely, Let's be probably. Airplane crashes on an island, and then everybody becomes a crazy bearded hermit. Yeah. So Adam, uh, so maybe see. there's My maybe there's coffee are, trees. There's get, coffee trees here. Oh, that'd be nice. Um, so I, I can get tired really rapidly. Okay. And good. I can get headaches if I don't have caffeine. These are some great and, skills. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm like, I'm built for survival. What else could I do? Uh, that's about the limit of my skill sets, I think. You can grow a mustache that connects to your beard. That's true. I can it's grow, true. I can grow a super dangly mustache mm. with my super <laughs> dangles. All right, Seth, what do you bring to the table? Um, well, I can, I can crack coconuts with With one finger. (laughs) Uh, so I got that. Do you flick it or is it like a karate chop with an index finger situation? No, I just, I just gently touch it with my finger and it explodes. So you have like an anti-coconut matter on your, on the tip of your fingers. Yeah, it was, it was, it's an implant. And then I always carry a knife. 
So, so you I would have a knife. I would have a knife. Wait, how did we get how did skills? we get trapped in this island though? Because if we were got there by airplane, you wouldn't have this knife anymore. Well, you see, oh, we got we point. got here because my knife also creates wormholes to deserted <laughs> islands. Ah, okay. Can we can we get can back we go in back the, the wormhole then? No, it only creates wormholes to deserted islands, not from <laughs> deserted islands. But can we go to another deserted island from the current one? Yeah, I mean, if we wanted to. So we could, like, explore all existing deserted islands to find any resources we needed. Yeah, but the one thing we couldn't find is people. This is bad. <laughs> the one thing we couldn't find is people because the criteria of an island being deserted is that there's no people. one on it. Could so you, we, like, if we got too hot, could you open a wormhole to, like, an Arctic deserted island? So sure, man. AC it's, well, I mean, it's random, so we might need to make a few a few warp jumps before we got to the one we needed. <laughs> sounds um, good. Yeah, that's but, yeah. A, so that's so that's my s- skills. That is a useful Ex- skill. Coconut set. explosions and wormhole jumping. Hmm. So I think that would probably make. I don't think any of us would die, really. Not in this scenario. Yeah, I mean, with Adam's dangly mustache skills mm-hmm. and my coconut exploding. Like, <laughs> what else? What else could you need, there? Sam? Well, you know, in my case, I need drugs to live. So <laughs> I have that going for me. <laughs> that's and true. Well, I mean, uh, that's what they say. Yeah, I guess we could test. But we you test didn't. Theory. You didn't take them for like a week. I still haven't been. <laughs> I guess. So. I guess the question is: would... <laughs> Wait, you're still not taking them? Well, they haven't come in the mail yet. <laughs> for those okay. of you not from the U.S., this is how. Congratulations! This works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, congratulations! You, you get a stem cell transplant. The doctor says, "Here are the drugs that you absolutely must take in, in order, order to for not your, die. In order for your new immune system to not." literally murder your internal organs. And then you go to your insurance company and you say, hello, insurance company, I need these drugs. And they go, yeah, I don't know about that. Mm, I don't know. We're going to need an extra couple of days to think about it. And then they think about it. And then you call them back. You're like, hey, guys, have you thought about it? And they're like, well, yeah, but we're going to have to we're going to have to run this through some facilities. <laughs> and then it gets shipped around for about a month from place to place. Uh, and the great thing is, then once that, if once you finally get it, if you ever get it, then when it runs out, you do it all on, again. Only when it runs out can you call them and say, "Hey, I need more." You can't call them like two weeks beforehand and go, "Hey, my pills are about to run out. I need a new order." They'll be like, "Well, you still have some, so we can't begin the process of getting you your next round of pills because you still got some." So, yep, all of these things have literally happened to me in the past. Yeah, which to me, this is the most fucked up thing about this is that when, you know, when Obama was campaigning for his health care shit and he was like, health care for everyone. Uh, and everybody was freaking out. Well, no, because, it was insurance for everyone. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. It started as health care for everyone. Yeah. And over time, the solution we all landed on was let's just get everybody enrolled into the worst fucking system you could possibly conceive of instead of just giving people what they need. But if That's, everyone's there, it'll reduce a, prices. Somehow. I'm a strong proponent of literally destroying the entire insurance layer of healthcare. Yeah. So it makes no sense that it's a that it's a uh, it makes no sense that it is a for-profit institution. Everybody needs to be alive. It makes like no sense that when I talk to someone on the phone and I say, "Hey, I need these pills that I need to not die." And they say, "Well, when did you last get some?" And I say, "5 days ago." Can you help me out? Because there's some across the counter from me, and I just need you to perform an override so that that pharmacist across the counter can 
hand me the pills. And then they say, I don't know. I'm going to need to put you on hold for a little bit. I need to talk to one of my pharmacists about this. <laughs> and I say, I don't think you fucking understand what I'm talking about here. But if I could reach through this phone and strangle you to death, I would. Well, and Sam, when you were, when you turned 26, you had to switch over, you had to switch insurance plans. Yeah. And they were, they refused to tell you what they covered. Nobody yeah. would own it. And this, this was actually completely shocking to me because I was like, I was like, hey guys, you know, I just, I just need to make sure that you do transplant coverage, you know, 100%. And very simple question, yes or no answer. And they're like, uh, I'll send you the documents about this particular plan. I'm like, can you just tell me? Because you should know. And they're like, I can't, I can't say anything about what we do. <laughs> like, okay. All so they could do them. is give you the legal document that says what they do, and you have to infer it, and then in they can try some... to sue you later. Right. So the you have document to infer that is—it's in some combination of legalese and medical jargon. Right. Like so I read through it, and then I send it to my both my parents, who are medical people, and they're like, "We're pretty sure." This is good. We're pretty sure, but we're not 100% sure because, you know, who the fuck knows? So you should ask them when you call them back. So I call them back and say, hey, I'm pretty sure this is good, but, but I just need to know, you know, is it, do you cover this stuff? And they're like, it, we cover what it says in the doc that we cover. <laughs> yeah, and nobody, nobody will <laughs> say it fuck? because I, and I can, I can bet you that the people who use the phone to talk to customers uh, are not allowed to speak about what the plans cover because they might misspeak. Yeah. Right. So they just oh, they yeah, are sure. not allowed to talk about it, which is pretty, it's pretty weird. It's pretty dumb because I'm paying you to make sure I don't die. So if I don't know if that's not going to be covered. Well, no, it's, it's not die and not go bankrupt. Yeah. Right. You have, you right. have two goals that, that the insurance company is supposed to be solving simultaneously. And they're actually not, they're not going to guarantee either. Right. They're, they're just like, well, well you... we're not going to let you have your pills, and we're not going to tell you if we're going to pay for anything. So, right. so we're so both going to let you die do? and to let you go bankrupt in the process. Well, this is this is really why it's incredibly insane to have for for profit institutions managing uh, risk management for healthcare costs because their only goal is to spend as little money as possible. Right, so that they pocket as much as possible. It doesn't really align with the goals of yeah, everybody else. Yeah, and the only reason that you buy insurance is so you know you pay in regular amounts of money that are knowable, so that when something unknown happens, that risk gets sp spread out. Right, so you can handle it. Right, but if their whole thing is we'll take all of your even payments of money, but when you need us to give some of that back, we just won't. We do just it. won't. <laughs> It's like, what? <laughs> What's the point? Yeah, I, uh, so I'm a little disillusioned about this whole insurance layer. But the for the funniest thing, I think, was so after this conversation with this woman on the phone, and then I was like, well, can I just buy the pills here? Um, and she's like, well, you can, but we're not going to cover it. And I was like, how much would that be? And she's like, $232 for seven pills. So good luck. She literally said, like, so good luck with that. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> what in the fuck? Like, I eat 12 of these a day. At what point do you think it's appropriate to giggle in my face? <laughs> good, luck, good luck covering those yourself. You gotta wait six months instead. Good God. Hmm. Anyway, so yeah, that's what's one of the skills I bring. Uh, uh, Pretty good. Know, the ability to to get infuriated about insurance, and uh, I think also I can make a mean sandcastle. So 
So we could li- like mean enough that we could live in it, or uh, yeah, I think why not? That's pretty mean. That's <laughs> that's, that's a real castle. nasty sandcastle. <laughs> yeah, man, bro, man. All bro. right, well, that's all we got for today. That was uh, it. That was an extended edition of Coffee with Butterscotch. So yeah, we will DLC. Try to- this is the gold gold bundle copy that includes the uh, Summer Pass DLC. Yeah, Summer Pass DLC Platinum Edition. Yeah. Gold copy. Gold copy. Edition. Version. Game of the Year. Uh, I mean, Podcast yeah. of the Year. Po- podcast of the Year. Which, I mean, there's not a lot of competition yet because it's only a couple weeks into the year. Um, yeah. But we think we're going to hold the spot pretty pretty firmly. Um, all right, so this has been Coffee with Butterscotch. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I think we're going to try to be a little bit more reliable with our future podcasts we kind of got thrown off off the rails with all of the family and vacation stuff over over the holidays and Crashlands, which comes out next thursday yes and we will be attempting to do a podcast next wednesday which will be essentially the day or within 24 hours of launch so, so we'll probably just be weeping openly on air <laughs> our uh, our pre-launch plans include getting drunk so <laughs> It's going to be a doozy of a podcast. Um, and yeah, also, we this year we're going to be trying to make a make an effort to really grow this podcast, grow the audience and stuff. So if you are a regular listener of the podcast, then we would really appreciate it if you could go to iTunes or wherever it is that you, Stitcher. That you listen to this stuff. Uh, give us give us a review. Give SoundCloud. Us, give us a rating. Give us five stars. Give us ten stars. Give Twitter. us Twitter. I don't know. Just give us a whole bunch of stars. Give us all write, your stars. Write, write some good stuff. It'll be really helpful for us. And also, uh, you know, share it with your friends. If you're into games, if you're a game developer, uh, if you just like joking around and hearing about random uh, kind of game related stuff, uh, just spread it around to your friends, and we would we'd really appreciate it. And with that, uh, oh yeah, and also of course. Uh, head on over to podcast.bscotch.net if you want to ask questions and vote for questions for next week's podcast. And also stop into forums.bscotch.net and say hello to us and our amazing Butterscotch community. All right, so that's all we have for this week, and we will see you next time. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.